0: Daniel's Dream of Four Beasts In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, "'came up out of the sea. "'The first was like a lion, and it had wings of an eagle. "'I watched until its wings were torn off, "'and it was lifted from the ground "'so that it stood on two feet like a human being, "'and the mind of a human was given to it. "'And there before me was a second beast, "'which looked like a bear. "'It was raised up on one of its sides, "'and it had three ribs in its mouth.' between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted by it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. the interpretation of the dream. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts and are four, four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, Forever and ever, this is the word of the Lord.
1: Now, I wonder what you think about when you hear the word apocalypse. What do you think about? Does it make you think of um, like disaster movies, an asteroid heading for Earth and only Bruce Willis or Gerard Butler or someone like that can, can save the world? Does it make you think of the end of the world, of four horsemen, of plagues, of earthquakes? For me, it makes me think um, of the state of our house on a rainy Saturday afternoon when all four children have been inside. Uh, No matter how many times you tidy up, the mess just somehow keeps expanding. Um, I've been heard to say to Megan on one such occasion, the state of the living room is apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. And it's true that all of these things are associated with the idea of apocalypse, not my house, just to be clear. The other things, the end of the world, all of that stuff. But none of them really get to the meaning um, of what it's all about. And this morning that's important because we're coming into a section of Daniel that is called apocalyptic writing. Apocalyptic writing. Um, Because what apocalypse literally means is like a revealing So it means that God is going to show us something new. God was showing Daniel something new, and through Daniel, he's going to show us something new this morning. That's what apocalypse means. It means something's going to be revealed. It's going to open up a new truth. And if there's one thing that I think all of us need today, it's truth, isn't it? You know, we look around the world, and it's like a state of chaos, isn't it? Every time we look at the news, there's something new. You know, we come out of two years of pandemic and lockdown, And now we seem to be in a time of war when there's kind of big wars happening all over the world. Uh, And then closer to home, we're in um, financial crisis. You know, this economic economic crisis, rising interest rates, um, cost of living just going through the roof, people really struggling to pay the bills. So this morning, you might be sitting here thinking, where is God? Where is God in all of this? Well, as we come to this apocalypse this morning which reveals we're going to see exactly where God is and we're going to learn about his total victory over darkness. So let's do that together. I'm going to encourage us to keep our Bibles open. We're on page 893. It's really important that when we're in the words uh, together, you've got it in front of you so you can weigh up what I'm saying and judge whether it's right. We say at LPC, we're under the authority of Scripture and so do have it open as we read together. And so far in this teaching series, we've been going through the story of Daniel's life, haven't we? We've been learning about the history, what happened to him, what he did, how he reacted. We know that he's been taken away from his home in Israel. He's lived, when we come into this passage today, he's lived in exile in Babylon for about 40 years. Uh, he's stayed faithful to God, even under great pressure in a hostile culture. But now that the, the story shifts gear. Okay, so it's been about history so far, but now it becomes all about dreams and visions and what Daniel sees and his prophecies that he's making uh, about what's going on. Dreams and visions and pictures from God. Now, I wonder if you've ever played that game, the good news, bad news game. Have you done this at home? Have you tried to do it where somebody shares some bad news and the other person has to try and put a spin on it to make it into good news? I'll give you an example. Bad news. Storm Kieran blew a massive hole in the church roof. Good news, we've got all the money that we need to pay for the repair. Bad news, it's in your wallets and in your purses this morning. (laughs) That was just an example. There is no hole in the roof. We don't need to put out an appeal. I'm just demonstrating what's going on. Because um, this is a helpful framework for understanding this passage here and what Daniel's saying. Because he starts off with bad news. And the bad news is this, the power of darkness overshadows power of darkness overshadows. In verses 1 to 8, um, we get this strange, Daniel gets this strange and kind of terrifying vision of these four beasts coming up out of the water. Uh, The first one is a lion with eagle's wings. The second one is this bear kind of chewing these ribs. The The third one is a leopard with four heads. And then the final one is a great beast with like, Iron teeth and ten horns. It's, it's just, we can't really picture it. That's, somebody's had a go at, at, at doing a, an illustration of it. But it's a dream. We spoke about that before. We can't quite understand what's going on here. Now, my, um, my son, uh, my three-year-old son, Josh, is really into dinosaurs. And he loves anything to do with the Jurassic World and Jurassic Park movies. And they're great fun movies, aren't they? Like, we, I watched a bit of the oldest Jurassic Park with him last night. And they're good fun. But, and the dinosaurs look a bit real, but they're not that scary. If you watch them as an adult, you know, they're not actually that scary. The vision that Daniel has isn't meant to be like Jurassic Park. It's not PG, the vision that Daniel has is more like an 18-rated horror movie. It's properly terrifying. So we look at those pictures, we look, they think they look a bit daft. But this was terrifying for Daniel. Because we know from what Will shared last week, don't we, that Daniel spent uh, the night in a den of lions. So he wasn't somebody who's scared easily. And yet we read in um, verse 15 of this passage today, look at what Daniel's reaction is to that dream. He says, I was troubled in spirit. And the visions that pass through my mind disturb me. He's really genuinely quite terrified. This is coming from a man who spent the night in a den of lions. So what's going on here then? What are these four beasts supposed to represent? Well, we find out later on in the passage that they are meant to represent four kingdoms. Four great and powerful kingdoms of the world throughout history. So if you're an ancient reader of this text, you would have thought of the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. But to us, we think of Nazi Germany. We think of Stalin's Russia, Idi Amin in Uganda, or even the British Empire at its worst and most brutal. They devour everything in their path. We see in the text, it talks about how they eat up everything. It says at one point, get up and eat your fill of flesh. They dominate and devour. And this really strikes a chord um, with us today, doesn't it? This day when we remember all those who have given their lives in um, conflict. The world tells us that humanity is on a journey of improvement, that we're getting more and more kind and tolerant and loving towards each other. But the fact that we're still here every year remembering new lives lost, that tells a different story, doesn't it? We know that there are wars raging across the planet right now, Israel, Palestine. Ukraine, Russia, Sudan, Yemen, loads more. You know, when one empire falls down, another one rises up. And that's because these empires that are being depicted here in this vision to Daniel, they they might be human, but actually what these beasts tell us is that there are dark, demonic forces going on underneath. They're stirring up humans to do evil things towards one another and to control and to dominate. So just like Daniel, we read these opening verses and we should be rightly terrified of what's going on. Somebody shared with me before the service about how we read the news every day and there's something new to, to scare us, to frighten us, to make us uncertain about the future. And that's a bit like what's going on here. So that's the bad news. The power of darkness overshadows. But remember the game we're playing? We've had the bad news. There must be some good news next, and that's where Daniel takes us. The good news is that the power of God rules. The power of darkness overshadows, but the power of God rules. So in verses 9 to 12, we then get this incredible scene, almost like a cross between a courtroom and a throne room. And Daniel describes this figure called the Ancient of Days in verse 9. He describes how the Ancient of Days comes in and takes his seat on the throne. He has perfectly white clothes and white hair like wool. His throne is flaming with fire. And Daniel describes this scene as 100 million people gather around him and they're just worshipping this figure, the Ancient of Days. Daniel is showing us that this is the living God, the uncreated holy God who was there before the beginning of time, who created everything else. And having set the scene, Daniel then takes us into the story. I don't know if you saw it in verse 10. It says, the court was seated and the books were opened. And in my head, I had this image. I don't know, like, do you watch any of those courtroom lawyer dramas on Netflix, like Suits or something like that? And there's always a moment in these, um, in these TV shows where, you know, there's like a high-profile murder trial or something, and the, the judge has gone out, the jury's gone out, and they come back, and the courtroom just goes quiet. There's a hush that falls over it that everybody's expecting the reporters go quiet the public gallery goes quiet the defendants are sitting in the dock with their heads bowed waiting to hear what the sentence is so daniel tells us what the sentence is here in verse 11 The court was seated and the books were opened. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. So that's the fourth beast. He's he's destroyed. He's killed. The sentence is death. And then the other three beasts, it says, they've been stripped of their authority, but they're allowed to live for a period of time. So for the other three, it's life in prison. So for one of them, it's death. For the other three, life in prison. And this is good news because as almighty and terrifying as the beasts are, there is a God in heaven who is way, 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 way more powerful than any human empire. Daniel is speaking here into the future. He's living under the Babylonian Empire. But the Babylonian Empire disappeared within a few years. The Persian Empire fell away. The Greek Empire was lost. The Roman Empire fell. The British Empire, Nazi Germany Stalin's Russia the Ottoman Empire they all lost their power the USA modern Russia China the great powers that we think of today all of them pale into insignificance next to the ancient of days the living God who's seated on the throne look at that picture of the beasts again in the light of the power of God don't they look a bit ridiculous don't they look weak You might know the story of um, the uh, Enigma machine, how the Allies broke the Nazi-German code in the Second World War. Uh, and it meant that they could intercept all the communications between the German military units. So they knew pretty much from the, begin- from the middle of the war, they knew almost exactly with good notice where the Germans were moving their troops, where they were moving their tanks, where they were moving their planes and ships. They could intercept everything they could understand it. So from the middle of the war, the Allies knew that they had the secret to win. It didn't mean that they could stop fighting. It didn't mean that, they, that no more soldiers would die. But it told them that victory was on the way. And that's like what's going on in, in this passage because it reassures us that as God's people, no matter how chaotic, no matter how crazy, no matter how brutal things seem right now, However terrifying it is to look at the news every morning, the power of God rules. The darkness is defeated. So we've had the bad news, the power of darkness overshadows. We've had the good news, the power of God rules. Now surely if we're playing this game, here's where we start to get worried because we should be due for some more bad news now, right? That's how the good news, bad news game works. Well, here's the twist, because there is no more bad news. Instead, Daniel gives us some even better news, the best news. And that is the power of Jesus rescues. Power of Jesus rescues. Because in these verses, there, there comes into it another figure. One that Daniel describes as like a son of man in verse 13. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And then read verse 14 with me. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So the Ancient of Days, you know, this mighty figure on the throne doesn't just stay there, doesn't just stay sitting there. He invests all his power, all his authority in this Son of Man who will carry it into the world on his behalf. You know, Daniel is speaking here of a glorious king who is fully human and fully God. He's speaking 500 years into his future and 2,000 years into our past. God is giving him a vision of the one person who is at the centre of all human history. He is giving Daniel a vision of Jesus. You know, in the gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man more times than any other title he uses for himself. He says it over and over again that he's the Son of Man. And at the end of his life, when he's put on trial under false charges, he even quotes that exact verse, verse thirteen and fourteen, to the judge. He says, "You will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with glory." So he has all this power, all this all this authority, all this glory. And yet listen to Jesus himself, how he describes the true meaning of this title, the Son of Man. From Mark's Gospel, 10 verse 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Because just like the soldiers that we remember today, Jesus, the Son of Man, gave his death for your life. Except that Jesus' sacrifice is even greater, because it means that He came to rescue you. He came to rescue you from your selfishness, you know, from your mess-ups, from your anxieties, from your fears. He came to rescue you. And that's the best news, because Daniel isn't just being given a vision of a God who's like some puppet master in heaven playing with the strings. He's being given of a God, given a vision of a God who wants to have a personal relationship with you. He's revealing a personal God who loves and cares enough about you to go to the cross to rescue you. About um, 18 months ago, I was coming to the end of my previous role um, in another church. And because it was a training role, it kind of had a fixed end point. Uh, and it was down to me to try and find another job. And you know, I investigated lots of different opportunities, loads of exciting things, had great conversations with lots of people. But one, one thing that we had teed up, a really big thing, fell through at the last minute. We thought it was right, but it obviously wasn't. And nothing else just seemed right. And this deadline was getting closer and closer. And I began to get anxious. I was running out of time. Um, and I felt like if we can't find anything, you know, we'd have to leave our house with nothing to go on to. Where would our kids go to school? How would we have any money to, to live off? You know, we, we wouldn't have a house. I got more and more consumed with the situation. I was pushing on so many, so many doors, trying to find something, anything to give our family some security. And one evening, uh, Megan and I sat down to pray about it. Uh, and if I'm honest, I was a bit of a mess. But as we began to pray, Megan just had this conviction that we, we needed to stop praying for a job and a move and a house and just elevate Jesus in our lives. I'm so thankful for her um, discerning and her faithfulness in her spirit because that realisation changed everything for us. Instead of looking down at our circumstances, it meant that we looked up to Jesus. It caused us to take our eyes off ourselves and it caused us to worship him, the Son of Man who has all authority, glory and power. And that didn't mean that God didn't care about our situation, of course he did. The opposite was true, he really cared about our situation, just as he cares about all of us this morning. You know, he cares about your getting up in the morning, he cares about your going to bed at night, he cares about your hopes and your fears, he cares about your health, he cares about your family. And ultimately for us, you know, God did provide the right job and the right church. That's why we're here today. But that's not the point. The conclusion of Daniel's vision is not that the Son of Man gives everybody what they want. Did you notice what the climax, the high point of Daniel's vision is in verse 14? Did you notice it when we read it before? He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. They worshipped him. Are you desperate this morning for a breakthrough in your life? Are you desperate for a job opportunity? Are you desperate for someone that you love to come to Christ? Are you desperate to be healed? Daniel reveals a God who calls you to look away from your circumstances and look up to him. It's not about not wanting the breakthrough. God cares. He does. But it's about saying, whatever happens, I choose to elevate Jesus in every single area of my life. You know, war doesn't have authority. Unemployment doesn't have the glory. Sickness does not have the sovereignty. Jesus alone has all the authority, glory and sovereign power. That's what God is revealing to you today. He is your shield. He is your refuge. He is your strong tower. He is your shelter from every single storm. No matter what happens, if your hope is in him, nothing, nothing in all creation can ever separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's from Romans 8. And we do see evil all around us, don't we? It's true. But this text shows us that evil doesn't have the final word. We don't have to live in fear. Because in Jesus, we have a God who rescues. So this morning, I just want to encourage you whatever you're facing, whatever you're facing, remember that the power of darkness might overshadow. But we have a God who rules. The power of God rules and the power of Jesus rescues. Turn to him this morning. Lift him above whatever is going on in your life and give him the glory. Amen.